Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can open up to page 1333, page 1333 in the Pew Bible. Open up 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. If you've ever wondered whether this is really a Baptist church or not, just how Baptist is this church? Well, last week we talked about tithing, and this week we're going to talk about fighting. So, if that ain't Baptist, I don't know what is. If you have your Bibles open there, chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, would you please stand with me out of reverence for the reading, the words of our God? The Apostle Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 1. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Let's pray together. O oh Lord, our God, we come before you praising you and asking you, God, to open our hearts and minds, Father, to receive your word. Oh God, this morning, would we be changed by your word? Please do it by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now I know all you good Christian people here have perfectly peaceful homes. But from time to time in the Alexander household, a fight will spring up. Our kids like to fight, like to argue, like to holler over toys, uh, frustrated with each other, get on each other's nerves, all those kinds of things. And then every now and again, Whitney and I will have an argument about something I've done. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, sometimes it's just hard to get along, isn't it? No matter what, with your, with your family members, with your spouse, kids, we're, we're sort of bent that direction. Nobody has to teach kids how to fight. No, nobody has to teach kids how to argue with one another. No, nobody has to teach a kid how to care about what's theirs. You don't, have to, you don't have to teach a kid to be jealous or envious or not to share. Just this morning, I was telling Ford to share something. He said, but it's mine. So if it wasn't yours, you wouldn't have to share it. It wouldn't be yours to share. I know it's yours. That's the point of sharing. Part of the definition. It's Sunday. Leave me alone, you know. I bet some of y'all had a fight on the way to church today, didn't you? Y'all ever had a fight on the way to church? You know why you fight on the way to church? Because the devil hates you. He hates that you're coming here. Whitney and I uh, had a 45-minute drive 
to our first church, first church I pastored, Sunnyside Baptist Church. We moved eventually into the Parsonage, but at first it wasn't finished yet, and so we still lived on campus at Southern Seminary, and we would drive 45 minutes to church, and, and one of us had to preach when we got there. You talk about a devil's playground. I mean, you can't believe, you know, we're getting out, I'm, we're walking in, wiping tears, you know, like, I mean, uh, the devil hates you. He doesn't want you to get along on the way to church of all places. It's not just in our personal lives, though. Every, every time I turn around, every time you turn on the TV, every time you scroll the Internet, you see somebody else fighting. Just politicians, talking heads. You go out to eat and you see somebody getting mad at a waitress. Folks trying to start a revolt because they feel like they're having to wait too long for a table. Reality TV shows that are basically just one long fight, start to finish. And that's not even to mention social media. You know, opening up Facebook or even Instagram sometimes, but you know, especially Twitter. Folks just fighting, bickering. Have, have you all seen the latest video that's making the rounds? There's a guy on an airplane. He's on the last row, and he can't recline his seat. So the woman in front of him doesn't care, and she reclines her seat anyway. And so the guy is uh, just sitting there, uh, just hitting her seat like this. Just hitting her seat over and over and over again. And she's got her phone out filming the guy doing this. I, re- I looked at that, and I said, and some people don't believe in total depravity. So some people don't believe in the total sinfulness of, of folks. What a shame. You just can't get along. Acting like two children. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when we get angry, we all act like children. That's sort of what we act like. Now listen, here's the reality. We live in a world and we live in a culture where there's no question and there's no doubt that Christians must stand up for the truth of the gospel. We, we must have, as I've said before, steel spines when it comes to standing for truth in a, in a culture that's sort of gone crazy, a, a culture that's lost its moral compass, a, 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 a culture where things seem to be going more and more and more in a direction we are not comfortable with as Christians. We must be ready to make the truth clear, and, and we must love our neighbors enough to stand boldly and stand for the truth. And, and I'm sure you don't have questions about where I stand on those things, but you ever do you can ask me but I, I stand on the scriptures this church stands on the bible and we all recognize we must at times fight for the sake of the lord we must stand up we must have steel spines we we, we can't just be pushed over all the time but what does fighting look like for a christian what, what does fighting look like for a christian how can we stand strong? How, how can we have steel spines and at the same time have soft hearts? How, how can we be wise as serpents and yet at the same time be as innocent as doves? How can we stand and fight for the Lord? And do what the Lord has asked of us. Be strong and courageous and yet at the same time not dishonor the Lord. Not drag the name of Jesus through the mud. This morning, I want to show you three points that I believe will teach you how to fight like a Christian. They will teach you how to be strong and courageous and how to stand firmly on the truth 
And I believe if we'll look to what the Bible says, though, we can do it like our Lord did it, with gentleness and meekness and love. This morning, I want to help you, through these scriptures, transform your attitude when it comes to fighting for the Lord. Here's the first point this morning. If you want to fight like a Christian, use the Lord's means when you fight for the Lord. Use the Lord's means when you fight for the Lord. Verses 1 and 2. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to to the flesh. There's a big revolt happening at Corinth, not only against Paul's leadership, but ultimately against the gospel. And what Paul is answering here are some of the accusations that have been leveled against him that he's just a big talker, but when he's face to face, he's so humble. A, a lot of what we see about Paul and what Paul's acting like and how Paul thinks really flies in the face of the way a lot of people see Paul in the modern world. People sort of see Paul as just this sort of pure firebrand, almost a pugilist, you know, somebody who's just out looking for a fight. Some people use Paul to justify uh, being irascible, just being hard to deal with, uh, being pugilistic, uh, being, being disagreeable at every turn, picking fights all the time, being quarrelsome. People will use Paul. Well, if you don't like me, you wouldn't like Paul. Almost any time you hear somebody say something like that, if you don't like me, you wouldn't like Jesus, or if you don't like me, you wouldn't like Paul, almost always that sentence is a way to cover up sin. Uh, Almost always that's a way that people are misreading what the people in the Bible were actually like. You see, Paul, while he certainly was not afraid to be strong and to be bold, at the same time we see throughout 2 Corinthians the way that his... Even his severity, even the difficult things he's dealing with are seasoned with salt, with grace, with love, where he longs for the Corinthians to do what's right before Christ. And here, what does Paul say? He says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. You see, my tendency, if there's somebody, if somebody in this church were to be uh, trying to lead you all away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not saying, hey, I don't like the preacher or whatever else. One of the most freeing thoughts I ever had as a pastor was this. You don't have to like me to love Jesus. I'm okay with that. Not always been okay with that. But at some point or another, it just kind of freed me up to say, you know, not everybody's going to like me. And guess what? That doesn't mean they hate the gospel. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. But that's not what we have at stake here in Corinth. These aren't people who just sort of like, oh, Paul, I'm not a big fan. These are people who are denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see our temptation when dealing with this sort of darkness in the church would want to be just to go full-on scorched earth. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with it the best way possible. We've got Peter in the garden. I'm going to plot my sword. We're going to deal with this. But what does Paul say? How's Paul trying to deal with this? He says, I entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. You want to know why I'm humble face to face? And and you know why so far some of my letters have been hard? is because you're disobeying Jesus, and and I'm trying to make this clear, but I'm humble face to face simply because I'm trying to be meek and gentle like Jesus is. Brothers and sisters, we cannot fight back against darkness 
through worldly means. Arrogance, power, pride, grandstanding, bombast. These things will not win the hearts of those around us. In fact, what it will do is perhaps win an argument, but it will turn off to the gospel those who are watching the argument happen. How does Paul entreat these Corinthian believers? And, and, and who is he talking to here when he's talking about this difficult situation? How is he talking to them? By the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Can you imagine just turning on the TV and watching an interview with somebody and seeing meekness and gentleness displayed? It's almost hard to imagine, isn't it? can't even watch sports center without people yelling at each other it's just the kind of world we live in nobody has a, a wrong opinion everybody has a a cancerous opinion according to us isn't it interesting that paul was being accused in this way uh, isn't it interesting that paul is a reluctant fighter that he's only bold when he has to be. That he prays he wouldn't have to be bold, as he says in verse 2. Let me sum this up like this, this point. You will do more for the cause of Christ if you actually act like Christ. You will do more for the cause of Christ if you actually act like Christ. Let me state it like this. The, the Lord of all creation, Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, who upholds the world by the word of His power, who even in His earthly life could have called down in a moment's notice legions of angels to destroy His enemies. Jesus, who sits at the very right hand of God, having made purification for sins. The one who has no limit of power, who at this very moment could speak and destroy the world. Jesus Christ doesn't need a hatchet man. Je Jesus Christ doesn't need help fighting his battles. He he's not sitting back saying, well, I'm Jesus, lowly Jesus, meek and mild. If only I had Matt Alexander to be bold on my behalf, we could really get this kingdom thing going. It's not the gospel, my friends. You'll do more fighting for the Lord through humility and meekness. With less pride and more humility, you'll do more for the Lord acting like Jesus than you will acting like the world. And brothers and sisters, while we must stand strong, we must do it with grace. We must do it with meekness. We must do it with humility. We need less bombast and anger and more gentleness. Every once in a while, there'll be some new Christian controversy roll through. I've been around long enough to see a bunch of them, and I've not been around very long. There's so many Christian controversies that most of us forget about them six or eight months later. But sometimes when these things, somebody on the news will say something bad about Jesus, or somebody will say this, or somebody will do that, and I just, the way Christians talk about it baffles me tell you what we need to do we need to get that person fired yeah that'll show them the love of jesus let's get them fired i'll tell you what somebody, who's got the torches let's get the torches 
Brothers and sisters, we must act like Christ if we are going to fight the world's, fight the Lord's battle. We cannot fight using worldly means. And don't, don't you see how Paul is not just this full-time, bare-knuckled fighter? Paul is saying, I long to not have to do this. I don't want to come with boldness. I, I don't want to come with showing boldness. <clears throat> this is the case also <clears throat> when you fight with other believers. Somebody's got to show them their sins. Somebody's got to show them who's right and who's wrong. When we act like that, who do we think is right? And who do we think is really wrong? When we feel like we're the ones that have to convict of sin, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Where's the power of the Word of God in that? And when we're trying to prove to them how right God, my, God is, not me, but God who are we really trying to prove to them is right? Less pride, more humility. Less bombast, more meekness. Less anger, more gentleness. But second of all, not only must we use the Lord's means when we fight for the Lord, but second of all, we must deny our flesh when we fight for the Lord. We must deny our flesh when we fight for the Lord. You see, there's a real temptation toward waging war according to the flesh. What does Paul say? Verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, that is, we live in a body, right? We are fleshly people, Paul says. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Do you see what Paul's doing here? If you, if you back up into verse 2, he says, Some suspect us of walking according to the flesh. That's viewing the flesh in a negative way. Being carnal Christians. Walking in a carnal way. And Paul says, well, sure, we're humans. We live in the flesh in just the generic sense of we have a body. But then he switches back to the negative sense. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. What does it mean to fight in the flesh? How does the world fight? They win by any means necessary, don't they? How the world wins? If you're going to fight, you better fight. So they, they'll use slander, lies, innuendo. That's a scorched earth policy, whatever it takes. Muck raking, mud slinging. There's a new thing that's kind of developed that we call cancel culture. Just, let's just write them out of the history book. We just cancel people. We're done with them when they say one wrong thing. Rage, anger, tantrums, and more. That's how the world fights. The world is all about indulging the flesh. And so often, while we may never actually say it this way, sometimes in our hearts we think like this. We think, you know, if we're going to see a difference made in this world for Jesus, if we're really going to see a difference made in the Lord's church, if my voice is actually going to be heard, and it better be heard, if my way is going to be listened to, if we're really going to see the tide of the culture shift and change, if we're really going to see a difference made, we can't do all this Pollyanna Jesus stuff. 
can't do all this meekness and humility stuff. We got to fight like the world fights. They're not fighting like Jesus, so we better fight like them. And so we become like Moses when he murdered the Egyptian. When Moses took the Lord's battle into his own hands, it fell miserably. And when Moses held the staff like God told him to, it brought the most powerful nation in the world to its knees. We become like the Israelites when they hired Saul to fight their battles. And they said, we want to be like the world. We want to fight like the world fights. And God says, you think you want a king, but you don't want a king. This is what's going to happen when you get this king. They said, no, we want a king. And so God let them have Saul. And Saul was more afraid of the people that hired him than he was of God. And so all the things God said would happen, happened. And and Saul didn't fight the battles of God like he was supposed to. He fought them in the flesh. And it was a disaster. We become like Peter who, when they came for our Lord, pulled out his sword to kill the guard. And all he could do is cut his ear off. What does the Lord tell him? Don't you know? Don't you know that I could call down legions of angels? In other words, if I wanted to win this thing like that, I wouldn't be calling you, Peter. And what does he remind Peter of? Those who live by the sword Die by the sword. Those who fight by the flesh only win in the flesh. Warfare in the flesh will only ever win victories in the flesh. And brothers and sisters, we are not in the carnality business. We are not in the superficial change business. We are here to win hearts so that the gospel might go forth, so that Jesus will be glorified. You see, Paul says, the weapons we fight with have divine power to conquer strongholds. Though we walk in the flesh, verse 3, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have what? They have divine power to destroy strongholds. When we act like Jesus, when we fight like a Christian, it may seem foolish to the world, just like it seemed foolish to the world not to just stand and fight in the garden. It might have seemed foolish to the Egyptians for Moses to just go and try to call on his God because we have gods too and we'll call on our gods. But at the end of the day, what we are called to do is to stand aside and let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar forth on our behalf. We are to be humble because Christ is humble. And if we think we are the ones who are doing it, we are so sadly and miserably mistaken. The weapons we fight with have divine power. Jesus doesn't need defending. Jesus doesn't need His honor defended or upheld. He's laid bare and naked before the world. The sins of the world put on Him. He doesn't need us to tell people that He is God. God told people that He is God by raising Him up from the dead in power. Brothers and sisters, that is our job. That is what we must do. We must testify to a crucified and risen Messiah. 
think sometimes we're so preoccupied with winning arguments with the world that we forget that we're called to win the world to Christ. That we're here to tell people about Jesus. I'm not satisfied, my friends. I'm not satisfied with winning fleshly battles. I'm not satisfied with having the moral high ground, winning at politics, crushing it in debates, torching the secularists on Facebook, owning people with memes. I'm just, I'm not satisfied with it. Man, and if we are, if that's enough, what are we really about? Is it really winning if we only win in the flesh? If we only win in the world? Brothers and sisters, stick to the Bible. Stick to the Word. Stick to those things that God has given us. Stick to those things that have divine power to tear down strongholds. The prince of this world has blinded the hearts of people so that they can't see the beauty and grace of Jesus. And there's all sorts of false arguments out there that are leading people to hell. And I'm not worried about winning a debate with those people. I want them to see Jesus high and lifted up so they can see the glory of Christ, so they can reject these things that the world and the devil have to offer, so that they can leave their flesh behind and embrace a life with Jesus forevermore we got to stick to the gospel. we got to stick to lovingly telling people that they need Jesus. To being gracious when it doesn't make sense. we got to stick with a calm and sober presentation of God's severity so that we can highlight the beauty and grace of God in the gospel. we got to stick to love, my friends. we got to love because those are the tools that have actual divine power to destroy strongholds. Jesus doesn't suspend the gospel for us to argue with the world. He uses the gospel to actually win people over because God in His weakness is stronger than man in His strength. If we are going to fight for the Lord, we must deny our flesh. We must deny what feels good and go with what God has commanded us to do. And finally, we must fight spiritual battles when we fight for the Lord. Fight spiritual battles when you fight for the Lord. Divine power to destroy strongholds comes from the Holy Spirit. And so we must choose our battles. What does Paul say in verses 5 and 6? We destroy arguments. Don't, don't think for a moment that this isn't about the way the world had come into the church at Corinth. These super apostles are bringing worldly ideas in. So what does Paul say? We destroy arguments <coughs> and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We destroy arguments, not people. Every argument is ad hominem anymore against people. It's always about the person and never about the thought or the idea. We destroy arguments, not people. We decry opinions that are against the knowledge of God, not people who hold them. 
We take thoughts captive. We don't cancel people. Brothers and sisters, it is imperative that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ leaves broad paths back to His church. Leave broad paths back. Leave broad paths back. There's no question that we're called to teach and preach hard truths to the world around us. But can we not do it our Lord's way? Our Lord's way that says go and sin no more. Our Lord's way that says come to me you who are weary. Our Lord's way that recognizes people are held captive and so we weep, longing for them to come to know their shepherd. We, we can't scorch the earth and burn the bridges and fight like the world and expect people to smell the aroma of Christ over the stench of the napalm. We must be the sort of people who are looking ultimately to the goal of completed obedience. In other words, Paul's saying here when he talks about being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete, he's saying eventually this is going to come to an end. And when it comes to an end, if there are still people who refuse to obey Christ, we'll have to make some hard decisions. But we're ready to do it. We're ready to to carry out church discipline in the Lord's church if we need to. We stand strong when it's time to stand strong. But the goal, the prayer, the spirit that Paul has is that everyone's obedience becomes complete. He's praying, in verse 2, that he won't have to show boldness when he gets there. In other words, you can couple this with this verse. He's hoping this doesn't happen. He, he's hoping that there will be a complete obedience. We're, we're ready to do hard things if we have to do hard things, but that's not necessary if you belong to Jesus. He's gracious. He loves you. And brothers and sisters, we must recognize that our battles that we have to fight are spiritual battles. That ultimately our goal is to see people come to know Jesus. You see, it's my prayer for you, my prayer for my own heart. I believe with all my heart it's the vision of the Spirit as He inspires this text and as He applies it to your hearts today. I believe it's the heart of God for you to fight like a Christian, for you to be ready to stand when it's time to stand, but for you to do it like Jesus would do it, for you to stand strong, but for you to do it with love and gentleness and grace, for you to stand for what's right, but to leave broad paths back to the Lord's church. And for us to think in every argument we have, in every thought that we have, in every opinion that we hold, in the way we hold ourselves with comport in the world around us, that we are constantly thinking, how does this make Christ look? How does this make the gospel that I believe look? Oh, brothers and sisters, fight Fight like a Christian. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and faith and hope in Jesus for the first time, you may say, I'm so lowly, I'm so weak, Jesus would never have me. Oh, oh, don't you know that's who He's looking for? Don't you know that's who He's looking for? Those who are willing to come to Him humbly. A, a, a burning, a, 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 a smoldering wick He will not snuff out. He loves you. He cares for you. And if you put your trust and faith in Him today, I believe He will save you. If you turn from your sins, put your faith in Him. He died on the cross for you. And second of all, second of all, you may be a believer 
You may say, Pastor, I have some repenting to do over how I've behaved. You, you may need to make some phone calls today to apologize to folks for how you've behaved toward them in the past. And, and you know what? It may, it may be someone from church. Every church at some point or another has had some controversies one way or the other. And it may mean that you've, you're looking back from something years ago even and say, I didn't handle myself like a Christian during that time. And I need to repent of that. Why not today? And as you ask the Lord of those things, this altar is open for you today. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together with your people. And Lord, it's my prayer, even now, that you would work in the hearts and lives of those who are present. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.